Welcome to Access Utah. Calling it one of the most difficult calls he's had to make, Governor Herbert has rejected a deal that would have shared rights to water beneath Snake Valley with Nevada. The Southern Nevada Water Authority says that Las Vegas needs Nevada's share of the water and wants to pipe it south. Local citizens fear that the export of water could damage Snake Valley's environment and economy. Members of the Utah Water Development Commission are urging Governor Herbert to reverse course and sign the agreement. They say it best protects Snake Valley water rights and statewide interests. On Access Utah today, we'll ask you what you think. Should the governor reverse course? Should that agreement be signed? What is best done with that water under Snake Valley that uh, is shared or potentially shared by Utah and Nevada? Our guests will include the writer and activist Jenna Richmond. The program follows the news. Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Calling it one of the most difficult calls he's had to make, Governor Herbert has rejected a deal that would have shared rights to water beneath Snake Valley with Nevada. The Southern Nevada Water Authority says that Las Vegas needs Nevada's share of the water and wants to pipe it south. Citizens in the area fear that the export of water could damage Snake Valley's environment and economy. Members of Utah Water Development Commission are urging Governor Herbert to reverse course and sign the agreement. They say it best protects Snake Valley water rights and statewide interests. This morning on the program, we're asking you what you think. Should the governor reverse course and sign the agreement? Or do you like the status quo? And what does the future hold? What should the future hold? And we're talking with the writer and activist uh, Jana Richman, the program today, author of uh, several books, including The Ordinary Truth, which uh, has a plot uh, that uh, kind of parallels what we're talking about uh, today. Jana Richman, author of The Last Cowgirl and uh, The Ordinary Truth, and she says she's a sixth-generation Utahn, born and raised in Utah's West Desert, daughter of a small-time rancher and hand-wringing Mormon mother. With the exception of a few misguided years spent in New York City trying to make a fortune on Wall Street, she lived her entire life west of the 100th Meridian, and she writes about issues that threaten to destroy the essence of the West, and about passion, beauty, and love. Jenna lives in uh, Escalante, Utah, and welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We appreciate you uh, being with us. Uh, so uh, I assume your interest in uh, these issues uh, germinated in growing up in, in the West Desert? Yes, Utah? most certainly. I, 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 um, that it really hit home when I heard the pipeline announcement seven years ago, because the West Desert is such a fragile area, and it, it can't take a lot of messing with, and it's already had quite a bit of messing with. <laughs> so yeah, I my my I love the area. Um, I think it's a beautiful area, and I think the pipeline is um, will destroy it. Where did you grow up? I grew up in Tooele. Tooele, okay, so so somewhat near. Um, and you're familiar with, uh, with some of this this area, Snake Valley, Spring Valley, some of these areas. Mm-hmm. I said the novel in, in Spring Valley, which is one of the areas that will be affected by the pipeline if it goes through. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, these areas. First of all, about uh, Snake Valley. A, a lot of us have never been there, and we've heard a lot about this controversy, but uh, maybe situated in our minds. Well, it's a beautiful area, and, and uh, as as all of the West Desert is, but it's and it's got springs and wetlands. But it's an area that doesn't um, doesn't have a lot of leeway for in my mind, for uh, trying new things like 300-mile pipelines and um, pumping. 
So it's it's it's. I, I, if anybody's ever been out to the West Desert, I, I know some people find it um, stark and kind of a wasteland, but uh, it it gets under your skin, and it's um, it's one of the one of those last places of land that hopefully will be left alone. T- tell me how it gets under your skin. I, I you seem to like. The places like this. You were you recently came back to Utah. I was reading after uh, spending time in, in Sonoran Desert. Yeah. Well, you know there aren't very many places left that aren't completely obliterated by human impact, and I I can't say that the West Desert is that because it it has had the military out there doing nerve gas testing in the '60s. It's had uh, a lot of ATV um, use. And um, and agriculture, which uh, has done its own damage in the West Desert, in drying up springs. But uh, it's one of the few last open spaces where we haven't done a lot of um, messing with it. And so it's one of the, it's filled with solitude. It's filled with wetlands and springs and wild horse bands. And it's kind of a spiritual place to me. So there'd be uh, large stretches of very dry country, but the, you would have these springs and these wetlands. Mm-hmm. Uh, so at issue is a big aquifer. Uh, I don't know relatively how, how, how big it is compared to some others, but it, uh, a fairly sizable aquifer. Under the Snake Valley and, and some of these other valleys, I expect, this happens to straddle Utah and Nevada, and that's where the conflict comes in. Uh, yes. and, and thirsty Las Vegas wants some water, and, and that's why the pipeline is proposed. Yes. And I, I think that, I think that's not, I, I don't think that's the only controversy is the, the struggle between Utah and, no, and Nevada water. Um, you know, Utah has taken the stance that Nevada can do whatever they want as long as they don't take our water. Um, and I think that's a really short-sighted position. Because uh, what Nevada does in Nevada will affect Utah, and it just affects all of us in general. Hmm. Uh, so what, in your mind, is, is the danger? If this agreement had gone through, uh, if, if you talk to Southern Nevada Water Authority and, and the pr- people who uh, agree with this plan, they're saying this actually protects Utah interests. Uh, yeah, and there, I, I listened to the uh, I listened to the Water Development Commission's uh, meeting on May 14th, and I was kind of stunned by the by the level of arrogance in that in that meeting. To be honest with you, uh, they basically have taken the position that anybody that disagrees with it is uneducated, unable to understand the consequences, and um, and that anybody's in favor of it is enlightened. Uh, and I was kind of offended by that. I, I think there's a lot of things that aren't being discussed, and that is also um, the Colorado River agreements, the, the Lake Powell pipeline. Um, all of these go into these ideas of water development. Um, so I, I, it's a very complex issue, and there's not – Good guys on one side and bad guys on the other side. It's a, it's uh, Las Vegas probably does need the water or will need the water in the future. The ranchers out there need the water. Other species that depend on the water for life in in Nevada's East Desert and Utah's West Desert need the water. Um, 
and everybody can't win. Everybody won't win. So it's um, it's a it's a complex issue. But I think on the face of it, when you talk about building a 300 mile, 15 billion dollar was the last price tag I heard on it pipeline to move water from the north to the south to the city of Las Vegas. It just seems like a very short-sighted plan to me, and, it, and it's kind of absurd. I mean, whoever builds the largest pipeline apparently wins. So we're going to take water from here and move it there. We're going to take water there and move it here. And eventually, we're going to reach a place where we have to live within our means. We have unrestrained growth in deserts that demand restraint. And eventually, we're going to come up against that. And I think we're up against it now. And this is our answer to it, and I don't think it's a very good one. Do you do you agree with some of the uh, projections, the fears that have been expressed by some of the residents there that they're talking about Owens Valley, yeah, a re- redo of Owens Valley in uh, you know Los Angeles area, turn it into a dust bowl kind of a thing? Is is that just hyperbole, or do you think that's a possibility if this were to go through? It's not hyperbole at all, and I think um, uh, many scientists who have looked at it not only think it's a possibility, but it's a probability. Uh, You know, when we're talking about, we already know the quality of Utah's air, and we already know the danger of adding any more um, particulates to that air. But when we're talking, we're talking about what happens after the pumping starts in that pipeline, and the greasewood starts dying off, which keeps dirt on the ground. Uh, that could create huge dust storms. That's what happened in Owens Valley, huge respiratory problems. And once it starts, there's no turning back. But even before that starts, if you look at just the construction of the pipeline alone, you're talking about 300 miles of pipeline, five pumping stations, three pressure-reducing stations, six regulatory tanks, you know, a power line with power poles every 600 to 800 feet, uh, two primary, five secondary electrical substations, 225 miles of new roads, 97 three-acre construction areas, uh, eight borrow pits, seven acres in sight. The construction alone will devastate the desert and will cause dust storms and will cause such ecological unbalance. Um, And there's no turning back once we start that. And that's before we even start pumping. Mm. So it completely changes the feel of the place, the life of the place, the, uh, the wildlife that's able to survive there, it, can, it changes everything. Uh, I've been reading about uh, what they're calling a death spiral. That's uh, something you made reference to, uh, to just then, I think, right? If you, if you reach a certain critical low level, then everything starts drying up? Exactly. I mean, it, you know, it, it, if we reach the first to go will be the... the, the Water mining is is illegal in both Nevada and Utah, but once you start pumping the easy to get to water, the um, the greasewood will shoot its roots down deep and start mining for that for that archaic water for the ancient water, and or it will start dying off. And as soon as we do that, yeah, the dirt that's on the ground, and we know what the winds are like out there. <laughs> I know what the winds are like right outside my window right now. So I'm not looking forward to those kind of dust storms. Hmm. I believe that's why uh, the the group of physicians in Salt Lake City was was against this. They they were worried about dust blowing over and affecting Wasatch uh, Front. Absolutely. We're talking with Jana Richmond on the program today. We're talking about the uh, proposed uh, Snake Valley Pipeline. 
which is on hold at the moment because Governor Herbert is refusing to sign. He says the majority of residents of Snake Valley are against it, and uh, he can in good conscience sign something that the majority of residents are in favor of. Members, however, of the Utah Water Development Commission, which uh, advised the governor on water issues, are urging him to reverse course and sign the agreement. They say it best protects Snake Valley water rights and statewide interests. Jenna Richman is a writer and uh, activist, lives in Escalante at this point, but grew up in the West Desert. Uh, by the way, we uh, attempted, um, through several means, to, uh, to get a supporter of the agreement on. It was uh, surprisingly hard to, to do so, but we did attempt that. Jenna Richmond with us. We're going to take a brief break. Uh, by the way, you can join this conversation. Our question to you is, what should the governor do? Hold to his guns or reject this agreement? Um, uh, Congress, by the way, mandated that the two states get an agreement, so uh, where does that go? Is there a danger of Congress uh, jumping in here? Uh, Harry Reid, of course, very powerful in the Senate, uh, Nevada senator. Uh, what should the governor do? Are you in favor of the agreement or not? So we do have a Facebook comment I'll get to following the break. You can uh, comment on our Facebook site or at upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. The number is 1-800-826-1495. Perhaps you're not in the West Desert, but you're concerned about water issues where you are. Tell us about those, 1-800-826-1495. Back after a break. Waste not. Water your plants deeply but less frequently to encourage deep root growth and drought tolerance. Another conservation tip, use a commercial car wash that recycles water. Waste Not is made possible by the Logan City Public Works Water Conservation Department. Information at loganutah.org slash publicworks. Are you looking for clear and concise car advice? Look straight down and you should see gas come out like it's coming out of a water pistol. If you can't see, don't light a match. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put a little more gas in the car, Marita. Sure, in fact, while you're at it, pour some, pour some on the seats. Pour some on the seats, too. <laughs> Join us again as we remind folks that it's only a car. This week on Car Talk. Saturday mornings at 10 on Utah Public Radio. You're listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams. We're talking about water, and specifically Snake Valley. That's a valley which straddles Utah and Nevada, and a proposed pipeline would uh, pump water from the aquifer underneath that valley south to Las Vegas area. Of course, Las Vegas growing and uh, needs water. That's one of the proposed sources of water. Um, it's well into the future, if it ever happens at all, and uh, that project took a blow recently when Governor Herbert of Utah uh, decided not to sign a uh, water agreement uh, with Nevada. So we're looking to the future. We're talking about water in general. Of course, it's a contentious issue in the West, and we're talking with the writer and activist Jana Richmond, author of The Ordinary Truth and the last uh, cowgirl. She lives in Escalante now, but she grew up in the West Desert, so very interested in these issues. And the number to uh, reach us is 1-800-826-1495. We'd love to hear uh, if you're in that area, Snake Valley area, we'd love to hear what your opinion is, or uh, wherever you are, uh, what is the water issue where you are living and what concerns you? 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. 
And we have a comment on our Facebook site. Sarah Penny says, in, in answer to our question, should the governor reverse course and sign this agreement, she says, absolutely not. Do not give away Utah water. Uh, so thank you, uh, Sarah, for uh, that comment. You can comment on our Facebook page as well. The number is 1-800-826-1495. Um, or you can uh, reach us at upraxis at gmail.com. And uh, we do have uh, a caller, Keith in St. George. Keith, uh, welcome to the program. Glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Uh, yes. I'm the vice president of the uh, Audubon here in St. George, and we had a family member living in Ely, and so we traveled there a lot. And in the winter, that's a major area for eagles. And so not only are you going to create a dust bowl out there pulling out the underground water, the plants out there are barely holding on, but Salt Lake's got the worst air in the world, or in the Utah and in the, in the country, I feel like. And when we had a dust bowl for the summer and our cruddy air for the winter, Salt Lake's not going to be livable. And that's my comments. Uh, I'm a longtime resident and love the desert. All right, thank you, bye. Okay, thank you, Keith. Appreciate that. Uh, I assume you share those concerns, Janet Richmond. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I've already found Salt Lake unlivable, which is why I left. I in search of clean air. That's exactly what I was looking for. But he's absolutely right. Uh, one of the pro, one of the things that concerns me about the construction of the pipeline is the electrical power poles uh, every 600 to 800 feet along the pipeline route um, can, can pose a problem for golden eagles out there, which Keith mentioned in his comments. There are a lot of golden eagles out there. They're hoping the eagle can fly between conductors without injury. Um, that doesn't leave me uh, feeling very good about that. So this, this, uh, this project would need, would need power what, for pumping? Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, tell me a little bit about the wildlife out there. I, I think in a lot of people's minds, it's just a big empty desert. Uh, <laughs> it is. That's what's fabulous about it. It's a big empty desert full of life, um, you know, full of golden eagles, full of waterfowl, uh, full of, you know, everything you would expect to see in a desert. And, and all of those are at risk if this pipeline goes through, simply because we we do what we always do. We go in with, um, you know, without any thought about any other species but our own and, um, and start tearing things apart. And that completely devastates the ecological balance. Hmm. Aren't, there, um, aren't there internal dangers? Um, don't ranchers uh, take a, you know, fairly, you know, not a huge, but a, a somewhat of a draw from the aquifer right now? They most certainly do. And, and, you know, when you think about that, it, it, it is kind of a crazy place for agriculture. It's a, it's, Nevada is a state that gets, that area gets seven inches of rain a, a year, and it, and, it, and it doesn't make much sense to set up ranching out there. But, but ranching has been there for generation after generation after generation. It's very hard to now say to ranchers, 
you have to stop doing the only thing you know how to do. You have to stop doing the only thing you've ever done and your father did and your grandfather did before you because now the city of Las Vegas needs that water. Um, and, and like I said, I think agriculture has done, it, done its own damage out there. But the ranchers out there right now are living in relatively good balance with the land right now and with the water right now. And they know there's a not a lot of wiggle room there. That's why they're all so freaked out about this pipeline. I, I, I can't believe that it – I truly believe that it will devastate agriculture out there. And I think most ranchers believe that. You, you say the ranchers have come into better balance. How so? They're, they're being more cautious with the water they use? What, what, what are they doing? Well, yeah, I think over the years, you know, as, as there have been more draws on the water and more interest in the water, certainly they've looked at ways to be um, uh, irrigate more efficiently. Um, and, and they know that they've seen springs dry up just from their own use of it. So they know how delicate the balance is out there. And I think they've done everything they can do to live within their means out there, short of ending their agricultural operation. Maybe expanding it now out to the conflict between Utah and Nevada, this is, you know, this is something that is occasioned by artificial boundaries. Sure. Um, but it has real-world consequences. And Nevada says that these aquifers and the water... It recharged and comes from their side of the border. And, and so, therefore, the, shouldn't they have some of that water? Well, that may very well be true. Um, I guess what the, the argument is is whether or not there's any water there to take hmm. without devastating, you know, the place. But ha- haven't there been study upon study on this? Yes, and most studies, and, and quite a few of the scientists who have done those studies have said, no, there's not water there to take. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure Southern Nevada Water Authority cite their own studies. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's all, as, as water issues in the West always are, they're, very, they're wrapped up in legal issues, they're wrapped up in political issues, they're wrapped up in power plays. Um, those are the, that's how water issues have always played out in the West. And I think the environmental impact has always been downplayed until recently. You know, we have you know, irrigation has been one of the biggest uses, but now we have big cities with unrestrained growth, and so now we're looking to take the water there. Mm-hmm. Do you, so, do you do you see progress in general on on water agreements and and water issues? Do you do you see the environment being taken into account more? Uh, no. Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't see that kind of progress. I would like to see that kind of progress. I, I think we've uh, – I just keep hearing about water development, water development, water development. I just I, – I don't think that – I think we're at a place where we can't keep seeing it that way. You know, building – like I said, building a pipeline to take it from here to here because now we need it here or take it from there to there because now we need it there. Uh, I don't think we can keep living that way. We're talking about water on Access Utah, and specifically Snake Valley. Uh, it straddles Utah and Nevada, um, and described by people who love it as a beautiful place. So the d- desert expanses with uh, oases of uh, wetlands and uh, and some water, um, but of course, as everywhere in the West, precious water. Nevada wants to, to take uh, its share of it, as, as they say it, uh, see it. Uh, Southern Nevada Water Authority wants to pipe. A uh, portion of water from the aquifer beneath the Snake Valley south to thirsty Las Vegas. And uh, that project is uh, 
hit a hitch now with Governor Herbert uh, refusing to sign off on the deal. Our question to you, should Governor Herbert reverse course, sign the deal? What should happen? And we're asking you about the water issues in your area. Uh, Just about everywhere in the West has a water issue and water conflicts. How are they being dealt with in your area? 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Jana Richmond is our guest. She uh, grew up in the West Desert, is very concerned about these areas and uh, loves uh, this landscape. Uh, She lives in Escalante now, but grew up in the West Desert and is author of The Ordinary Truth, which has a plot uh, dealing with some of these issues, The Last Cowgirl and other works. And you're welcome to call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Jenna Richmond, how, uh, of course, you're a writer. Is is that a small leap to becoming more of an activist? What, uh, how did that happen for you? When, when this pipeline came up, you, you felt like, I need to oppose this. Uh, you, you write about it, and then, and then what do you do? Well, uh, first I thought, uh, wow, that's a good story. <laughs> so I'm a writer first. I think my activism comes through the writing, and I think one of the reasons why I, why I did write the novel with this story as a background, besides the fact that it's a good story, because there are, there are very real lives behind this issue. And I've heard this called a moral issue. I've heard it phrased as, you know, crops or craps, um, uh, giving off the impression that, you know, there are good moral people in these rural grounds and evil in these, in these rural areas and evil people in the city of Las Vegas full of gambling and girls and greed and gluttony. And, um, and I, and I do think it's a moral issue, but I don't think it's a moral issue based on the character of the people, of the rural people versus the city people. I think there are very real lives behind this issue um, in both places. And everybody can't win because everybody needs the same resource, which is the water. So for me, I can, I can always tell that story of those real people behind the issue um, in my writing, in fiction, I can all I can almost invariably get at more truth in fiction than I can writing directly at the issue. And my goal is to try to get people to see the complexity of those issues because we don't talk about the complexity of those issues in in most media forums. It's not possible. So we end up taking sides and we end up being for or against. Um, and that's the way it gets talked about. And, and we end up kind of with name-calling and, and that sort of thing. But it's a very complex issue. And there are very real people. So that's why, I, that's why my activism goes through the writing. And I want to ask you about The Ordinary Truth, a very interesting uh, plot there and some, some interesting issues uh, in the book. We have a couple of callers. Uh, first up, uh, Becky in Lewiston. Uh, Becky, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. Yeah. Um, I'm calling... I- I was listening to you earlier, and I agree very much with the water issues. And what I have found is I've recently bought a piece of land in Richmond to build my retirement home in, and it had a creek running on one border that is an irrigation creek. And I bought it because it draws a lot of wildlife, and there's a lot of trees growing there. And as I have researched, now I'm finding that the irrigation companies are trying to box in all of the open water that their canals run on. 
And it makes me sad because all that wildlife that I was looking forward to enjoying are not going to have the water source, and this creek runs year-round. And is there anything we can do to stop that from happening? Hmm. So so your, your dispute or, or conflict is with the irrigation company? Well, yeah, it's with irrigation companies in particular, and I, I understand that, you know, they do have concerns about people taking water from the irrigation canals um, that when they don't have the right to, when they haven't paid for their shares. And we want the farmers to have their water. But to be able to pipe in everything is so destructive. Hmm. Well, I, uh, can yeah, I make go ahead. a comment about that? Yes, huh? go ahead. I, I fully agree with the caller. It, it, there's, there's something that's really disturbing about capturing every bit of water um, without letting it flow through its natural course, without having rivers, without having creeks. There's something really disturbing about the idea that we're going to capture that and put it into pipelines um, before it ever reaches the ground, the top of the, top of the earth. And you do uh, destroy not only wildlife, but I think there's something in the human animal, something in the human spirit, that if we don't have those natural waterways, we really lose something. And the, the caller is, is speaking very passionately to that. Mm. Yeah, that, that was my big thing, is I bought this place so that I could watch the wildlife, I could hear the water. Uh, this is something, I, I live in an area where water is scarce and it's valuable. And it's aesthetically so important to me, and I'm sure to other people. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good illustration. I, I'm I'm glad you called, Becky, and good luck with okay, that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we are talking about water on the program today, specifically Snake Valley water and the proposed pipeline. Uh, Governor Herbert is refusing to sign uh, an agreement that's been three or four years in the making. Some are urging him to reconsider, including the Utah Water Development Commission. And we're broadening uh, the discussion out. We're asking you what the water issue is where you live. Most places in the, in the West have a water issue, or several, and we're asking you what it is in your area and, and uh, what you'd like to see done, or perhaps you have a, a specific comment on Stake Valley. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com. Our guest uh, for the hour is uh, Jana Richmond, uh, writer, author of The Ordinary Truth, The Last Cowgirl, Other Works, and uh, she grew up in the West Desert uh, and so is very interested in the, these issues. Our next caller is Becca in Smithfield. Uh, Becca, glad you called, uh, and go ahead with your question or comment. Um, I was just wondering what um, the people are saying that oppose or that, that are against um, the bill, uh, Governor Herber signing that. Um, we, it sounds like you already tried to get people to talk about it, and they won't, but I'm just curious who... I, I'm totally for keeping Utah's water, but I don't understand why people would want to give that away. I'll take a brief crack at it, and then we'll have Jana Richmond maybe speak uh, on... You know, she, she opposes this agreement, but maybe speak to that side as well. Uh, what, I'm, what I'm hearing, what I'm reading is, uh, uh, for example, the Utah Water Development Commission is saying that if we sign the agreement, this locks in uh, Utah's rights, and and we have actually in writing protections for, for Utah water. If the agreement is not signed, uh, Nevada could 
possibly come in and just take whatever water it wants. Um, and in some ranchers out there, for example, the Bakers, multi-generational ranching family, reading this Salt Lake Tribune, uh, initially opposed the agreement, but later they switched positions and they say that they feel like th- this agreement would best protect them as ranchers. Uh, Jenna Richmond, I, d- I don't know, what, what are some of the arguments you're hearing on the other side? Well, I, I'm hearing the same thing you're hearing, and, and I haven't spoken to Dean Baker, and I don't, I don't um, but I understand his position. I mean, I understand that, you know, someone comes in now and he, his livelihood and his future generations of his livelihood are now being threatened, and so he's looking for his best option, whatever that might be. And so I, I um, in my mind, any obstacle you can put in front of that pipeline is the best thing to do. Any, any, any way that we pave the road for that to, to move smoothly on its way, I think, is problematic. So, um, and, and I, can't, I can't speak for those who are in favor of the agreement beyond that. Mm. Uh, also, okay. just, to, just to add, uh, Becca, the, the quoting from the Bakers there, uh, they say this agreement would uh, mandate 10 years of monitoring um, and, uh, and may prove that the valley's groundwater is already being mined by ranchers' wells and that maybe there isn't enough water for the pipeline. In other words, they're, they're saying that uh, they're kind of couching this as a sort of a roadblock. The agreement in and of, of itself may be a roadblock to the pipeline even happening. So those are some okay, of the... So and, I think we're all kind of gambling with, you know, what we think might be the best way to stop it. Uh, so, Becca, you, you, you oppose the agreement. Um, I am against giving our water out to other people, yes. Yeah, okay. Uh, thanks, Becca. Appreciate that. Yep, thank you. Uh, the number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can reach us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. Talking about Snake Va- Valley Water Aquifer, a potential agreement, three or four years in the making, mandated, by the way, by Congress. They, they told the two states to get together and agree on this, um, which would divide up that water. Uh, I believe both above ground and, and the aquifer, which is the, the really big source. Um, Southern Nevada Water Authority wants that water. Las Vegas, they say, needs the water. They're, they want to build a pipeline to pipe it south. And the residents, the majority of residents in that area, oppose this agreement. That's the reason the governor gave uh, for uh, now refusing to sign off on it. We're asking you what your position is. Should the governor sign the agreement or not? And what is the water issue in your area? Uh, tell us about it, 1-800-826-1495 or upraxis at gmail.com. Our guest is Jenna Richmond. Uh, she's a writer and activist uh, and is author of uh, several uh, books, including The Ordinary Truth, The Last Cowgirl, and uh, Writing with the Saints. Very interesting books all. She lives in Escalante now but grew up in the West Desert. We do have uh, an email uh, question. This is from uh, Charles. Uh, he says, What about dust? I've heard that a lowering of water table uh, could result in increased frequency and intensity of dust storms, and this could degrade the health of everyone in the region. Uh, Jenna Rich, I wonder if you could address that one again for, for Charles. Well, I think everybody that has a concern about dust has a legitimate concern, um, as I said. And, and, and most of them are speaking about what happens after the pumping begins and, and plants that hold dirt on the ground start to die off. Um, which I think they surely will. 
so it's a legitimate concern, the dust issue. I think the very construction of the pipeline will add to dust storms and before the pumping even starts. So uh, I think we should all be very concerned about it. Next up is uh, Jim in Arcadia. Jim, glad you called. Go ahead with your question or comment. How are you doing, sir? Uh, doing well. How about yourself? Uh, pretty good. I've been growing and raised in California, but for the last nine years I've been out here and between Salt Lake and Vernal. And water's precious out here, and I've noticed that there's a they wait for the aqueducts to open. A lot of the cows don't seem to be getting enough water, and I don't think it's a good idea. Considering I've been there, they can get their own water. They have it coming in. They just want more. They're greedy. Hmm. And it's seriously, and from what I've seen with the dust, like the lady before said, digging a pipeline might co- might create some jobs and create more harm than good. Hmm. So, and I live in Arcadia. We have to truck in our own water. And yep. You can drill the well 200 feet down. Wow. Yep. And, to, and there's a bunch of oil riggers around us who are drilling down and messing up the water as it is in the ground. Uh, so I don't think it's a good idea. Jim, where exactly is Arcadia? It is about 20 miles east of Duchesne. Okay. It's in between Duchesne and Roosevelt. You have to truck your water in. Yes, sir, we do. Hmm. So you're it's paying because you can drill, like I say, you can drill the well, but that costs a fortune. And then they're warning everybody about the contents of the water that's being poisoned from drilling and digging now. So and that's I'm 63 years old, and I live it out here. And that's why I left California. Got bad air, and then they're always fighting over water. Then I come out here, and now they're doing it again. Hmm. It's following me. I guess I guess it is. Of course, <laughs> maybe if you move back east, uh, you'd, you'd get away from those oh, issues. No. But I don't like east. <laughs> I've been back east. It's no good. Okay. I like it in Utah. I never thought I would enjoy it out here. But seriously, about the water, it's from what I've seen and noticed and traveled this country, it seems to be the biggest issue. Everybody fights over water. Yeah, they certainly do. Uh, thanks, they Jim. Don't manage, they, I'm sorry, go on. Uh, no, go ahead. They don't manage it correctly. It's the biggest problem. How so? When you're out here, well, when you're out here and you're trucking your water in, you learn to uh, filter your water and use your, your wastewater has to go away. You know that. But the water used for dishes and showers can be recycled and you can keep using it hmm. instead of just flushing it down the toilet and it going out into the sewers. Hmm. And it's it's a simple conservation thing, and no one seems to want to do it. Everybody wants something, but somebody else to do it for them. And well, that's the biggest problem. It's all about money. Well, thanks, Jim. appreciate your call. Very interesting no perspective. Thank you. Yeah, uh, Jenna Richmond, your your response there. He he has to truck his water in, so he's uh, I guess he's very cognizant of uh, of the value of the water he's using. Yeah, and I think he's absolutely right that we need to be looking at conservation more closely. Uh, Las Vegas actually does a fairly decent job of conservation, much better than Salt Lake City. I'll give you some of the numbers that came from to me from the Great Basin Water Network is that. Salt Lake City uses 240 gallons per capita per day. Uh, St. George, 254 gallons per capita per day. That's one of the worst in the country, compared to 165 gallons per capita per day for Las Vegas residents. Um, Los Angeles is 125, Tucson 114, Albuquerque 110. So Salt Lake and St. George, Utah residents have a long way to go um, on the conservation front, on the water conservation front. And we never hear our politicians talking about that, never. We hear them talking about water development. 
Yeah, uh, except I guess in extreme drought, you, you sometimes get some, you know ordinances and such on on conservation. But uh, uh, normally the run of things, yeah, you, I think you're right. You don't hear a lot about it. Uh, we have Jenna Richmond with us for the hour. We're talking about water, specifically Snake Valley water. What should the governor do? Should he reverse course as the Utah Water Development Commission is urging him to do, or should he stick to his guns and not sign this agreement with Nevada? We're going to take a brief break when we come back more with Jenna Richmond, and we're looking for your water uh, problem, your water conflict, you, maybe some solutions where you live. If you're in the West, as uh, Jim says, this water problems keep following him. As long as you're in the West, we've got water problems. Uh, we'd love to hear about yours, and specifically if you have an opinion on Snake Valley. The number is 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495, or you can reach us at upraxcess at gmail.com, upraxcess at gmail.com. More following the break. There's no English translation for the Dutch word gezellig. It's a mix of cozy, cheerful, and exciting. Are there things that can never be understood, expressed, or experienced outside their home culture? I'm Jim Fleming. Next time, on To the Best of Our Knowledge, wandering the unmarked maps of cultural translation. It's To the Best of Our Knowledge from PRI, Public Radio International. Sunday mornings at 9 on Utah Public Radio. Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and the Utah Shakespeare Festival, presenting Shakespeare's Richard II, with seven other productions June through October 2013 in Cedar City, www.bard.org. You're listening to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams, and uh, glad you're listening. Water is our topic. Of course, this is a contentious issue, important issue. Um, in the West, always has been, perhaps always will be. Uh, and one of the conflicts that has erupted recently is the plan by Southern Nevada Water Authority to build a pipeline. They want to get some water from northern Nevada and, in the case of Snake Valley, from uh, perhaps from Utah, because Snake Valley straddles the border. They want to pipe this water south to uh, thirsty Las Vegas. Brings up a whole host of issues. What would happen if this pipeline uh, were to go through? Uh, should we be building pipelines? Should we force these cities built in the deserts to live within their means? Can they? And we're looking uh, for your opinion on this particular project. Should Governor Herbert reverse course and sign this agreement? He said he won't. Um, and what is the water issue in your area? We'd love to hear about that. We have another um, six or seven, eight minutes left. And we can still fit your call or uh, email in, upraxis at gmail.com, upraxis at gmail.com, or you can call us at 1-800-826-1495, 1-800-826-1495. Jenna Richmond, writer and activist, is with us. Uh, Jenna Richmond, I'd, I'd like to talk just a little bit uh, more about uh, your book, The Ordinary Truth. You, you have a plot here that uh, mirrors this conflict. Nell Jorgensen and her daughter Kate, and there's a rift there that deals with a pipeline, proposed pipeline. The daughter is a water manager for the Nevada Water Authority. And there's, there's a, a rift in the family, and I, I think uh, that kind of mirrors some situations um, in families in the West and in communities in the West. Yeah, that's true. I... I, um, you know, one of, like I said before, one of the reasons that I chose the pipeline issue is because it is a complex issue, and 
And uh, so Nell Jorgensen is a rancher in North Spring Valley, and Kate is a water, her daughter is a water resource manager for Nevada Water Authority. She's proposing a pipeline that would pump water from um, the ranchers in North Spring Valley. So uh, it, it's a, it's a, the setting for the story is based on what we're talking about today, the pipeline issues, the water issues. But it's also talking about um, the lives of the people behind that and what drives them to do what they do and, and what, um, you know, their relationship with the place, their relationship with the land, their relationship with uh, the other species in the land, the plants, the animals, and their relationship with the water. And uh, those are truly Western issues. Uh, they are issues that Westerners face every day. We we live in an arid place, and we have to acknowledge that. And we are very quickly coming to a place where there are no easy answers. There may not be any answers, because there are a lot of us here, and there's a little bit of water here. So uh, that's what I – it's the complexity of that issue that I was trying to get at in the story, to show that – Good people with good intentions. There are good people with good intentions on both sides of this issue. I believe that, but I think it gets really caught up in in politics and legalities and um, a lot of those personal issues, things that matter to the individual person. As your one caller mentioned, uh, get lost in the discussion. So that was my purpose for putting it into the into a fictional setting. By the way, just a point of personal curiosity, uh, you, you can answer or not, I suppose. Uh, I wondered if uh, there's any Pat Mulroy in, in Kate. <laughs> she, for people who don't know, she heads up the Southern Nevada Water Authority. Uh, she's a formidable uh, person. I've interviewed her. Um, I, I, I just wondered that. She is. She's a formidable person. She's she's very smart and she she knows her stuff. And uh, I wish she will. I wish she were on the other side of this issue, to be honest with you, because she's good at what she does. Um, I did not uh, purposely interview Pat Mulroy, although I read a lot of. Um, I watched a lot of interviews with her. I listened to a lot of interviews with her. Kate is not really based on her, but she is based on me looking at someone in that position of power and asking how does she get there what happened in her life that led her to that place of certainty to that place of um of absolute uh answers in a, in in on issues that i think are much more difficult than that mm. so i i kind of started with the pat Mulroy character and then worked backward to create my character. Hmm. But, um, no, she's not based on Pat Mulroy. Interesting. Uh, by the way, we tried to get uh, Pat Mulroy for the program today, and she, she didn't want to come on. Um, uh, but, but uh, as I said, I've interviewed her before, and, and she she will play up uh, Las Vegas's um, what she'll describe as extreme, very effective measures in conservation, for example. She says mm -hmm. they're, they're doing everything they can on that side. They just keep growing, and they need more water. 
Well, the just keep growing part may be the problem. Uh, you know, and, and it's a problem with every Western city. I, I don't know how you stop growth. Our economies are based on growth. Um, so kind of everything in our civilization is based on this idea of growth. But the natural resources that we're working with are not based on that. So uh, I, don't, I don't know where that leaves us. Um, but, yeah. Oh, so I wonder, you say you don't know where that leaves us, and we, maybe we are stuck. you got these cities in the deserts, you know, Las Vegas, Phoenix, um, et cetera. Uh, people like to live there, um, yeah. and people flock there, but they're perhaps not viable with regard they're- to water. I think that's exactly right. They're perhaps not viable. And, you know, and it's more than just the it, – it, we live in a country where people are free to move where they want to move and live where they want to live. I don't know. You can't – it's hard to shrink a city, and it's hard to tell people, for example, along the Rossetch Front that they uh, need to have fewer children. Um, you know, there are a lot of issues that, that um, add to growth, and we don't – we're nervous about talking about population issues. Um, it, it's very uncomfortable for people. Um, so, but I think we need to talk about it. Uh, so, uh, how should that conversation proceed? As you say, you can't, you know, you can't force people, but uh, I guess you encourage, you raise awareness. What do you do? I think we have to talk about it. We, we live in a place with finite resources, and, we're, and, and this is a perfect example of that. Water is a finite resource. I mean, it, surely it, it gets replenished every year, but if we're using it faster than it gets replenished, that's a, you know, that's a calculation that's not very difficult to come to. So uh, I, I think that um, we have to bring up the issue of population, and it's a touchy issue because it, it – it, you start talking about people's belief systems, people's values, people's religious views. Um, but I think we need to talk about that. Mm. I think we need to talk about it locally. I think we need to talk about it globally. Uh, and by the way, I do, we're, we're planning an upcoming program on, on that very subject. So, uh, Just finally, uh, Jenna Richmond, what's next, do you think, with the Snake Valley? The governor has refused to sign. Is this headed for a lawsuit? I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, as I mentioned, I think any obstacle in front of the pipeline is a good thing, and and the governor's not signing the agreement has kind of left it uh, with the Southern Nevada Water Authority, left the next move with the Southern Nevada Water Authority. So it will be interesting to see. I hope it's not headed for a legal battle. That's costly. Um, I would like to just see them look at other options. And I think Las Vegas is good at conservation, but I think they can be better. Mulroy does talk about that a lot, but certainly they could uh, start there. Jenna Richmond, uh, author, activist, uh, author of The Ordinary Truth, Last Cowgirl, Other Books, has been our guest. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we will uh, see what happens with the Snake Valley and water issues. If you have a further comment, you can certainly get that to us at upraxis at gmail.com, or you can comment on our Facebook page, uh, Utah Public Radio. And uh, for producer Addison Pace, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening today. Stay tuned for the Zesty Garden. This is Contemporary Western Women. I'm Elaine Thatcher. 
Carrie Kilmer is a young wife and mother who, with her husband Brent, operates the V-Bar Guest Ranch near Laramie, Wyoming. Her grandfather bought the ranch when Carrie was a young teenager, and she grew up there. My grandpa purchased the land in order to keep it in agriculture. A lot of ranches, all over really, but several in our area, had been purchased, and then of course they usually get split up into smaller pieces. And once that happens, it's hard to put them all back together again, and so it just diminishes their ag value. Tell me about being a host of a guest ranch. I mean, what is it like for you? Um, For us, it is inviting somebody into our home, you know, into a place we call home. And so it is like having company at your house. We have some great guests in the summer especially, and guests who really have an appreciation for this way of life. And we have a unique opportunity to be able to educate them on a lot of issues affecting the West. And most people have never actually had any hands-on experience with some of those issues. And then when they're here in this type of environment, and it could be very simple things like rotating grazing pastures, which for us is an everyday experience, but the guests get to see firsthand how if you don't rotate enough or if you graze it too much, then what impact that has and why it's in a rancher's best interest to take care of what they have and why they would want to do that. I think the part we were least prepared for was the staff, dealing with staff And being such young managers, that was our issue in the beginning, was that the people we hired weren't much younger than us, and they had the mentality more that they wanted to be our friend and didn't always look at us as bosses. And so we have a very family atmosphere here for our staff, and so it is hard even now as we're a little bit older to create a boundary while still making them feel at home and this is their home for the summer and we want them to feel like it's their home because they have the capacity to make or break our guests vacations. Carrie and Brandt operate the ranch but they have help from family members. Her mother does the books, cousins work as staff in the summers and Carrie and Brent's little daughter gets to spend a lot of her time with her parents and with guests. You know, we all, my whole family takes pride in what they do and wants to have a good reputation, wants to do right by others. And that type of inspiration in this business, it goes a long way because it's how people want to be treated. Contemporary Western Women is a project of Utah State University's Center for Women and Gender and Utah Public Radio. We focus on women in the Rocky Mountain region and their stories of strength, hope, and humor in all aspects of life. If you have a story to share or know someone who does, please visit the Contemporary Western Women link at upr.org or call 1-800-826-1495. I'm Elaine Thatcher.
This is KUSR HD1 89.5 Logan, KUSK HD1 88.5 Vernal, KUSL HD1 89.3 Richfield, KUST HD1 88.7 Moab, and KUSU FM HD1 91.5 Logan. Thank you for listening. You can check us out at Twitter at hashtag AccessUtah.